Hello, and welcome to Be Your Own Healer. This is Jeanette Murray, and I'm here to talk with you about a topic I think you'll find pretty fascinating. It's about spirits, entities, and cords of attachment. But before I get started, I want to say that I'm not here to change anyone's beliefs, go against anyone's religion, or convince anyone of my particular experiences with this subject. I merely want to share with you some of the things I've experienced in over 40 years of counseling. I presently use Emotion Code because I've found it to be the best therapy to produce lasting results and to heal the effects of negative energies that affect our lives. If you're not familiar with Emotion Code, it's a form of energy healing where one is able to release trapped emotional energies, blocking or limiting beliefs, and even negative energies such as cords of attachment, disembodied spirits, and entities who attach themselves to people. I will give you some real-life examples of such events and releasements. I thought this was an appropriate title as we're approaching the fall season and getting nearer to Halloween, but I don't want you to think that this is tongue-in-cheek or the stuff that spooky stories are made of. These things are real. They're part of our lives, and when they're identified, it benefits one to release and be freed of them. I'm so glad you're listening, and I want to assure you, you will not have nightmares after this. In fact, I think you'll be reassured that there's really nothing to fear. And it's always important, though, to be aware. Many people who see me for emotion code are not alone. I mean, they may arrive alone, but they're carrying with them some extra baggage, some invisible hitchhikers, so to speak. Let's talk first about spirits, or what I refer to as disembodied spirits. These are the spirits of people who died and left their bodies, commonly referred to as ghosts, spooks, if you're living in the southern United States, haints and boogers, and apparitions. If you believe in reincarnation, after your body dies, your spirit leaves your body and in proper fashion goes into a bright radiant light and then remains on the other side until it's time to reincarnate again. The spirit or soul does this many, many times, so it's nothing new and mysterious. It's just that we don't have any recall of this, unless and until we're ascended masters, that is. When, one spirit leave, when a spirit leaves the body, the natural progression is to move into the light, which is the soul or spirit's passage into the next dimension, however you prefer to to call it. It can be heaven, the afterlife, or just the beyond. So let me tell you a story. A student I was working with, I'll call her Gloria, came to see me because she had recently lost her grandmother and she wasn't feeling quite herself. In fact, she wasn't happy at all. It wasn't that she was mourning her grandmother's death, but rehearsing in her, in her mind all the battles and arguments they used to have. She felt angry at her grandmother and guilty about this, and she didn't know why she was feeling this way. 
As her counselor, I could have gone down the rabbit hole with her, taking her back to childhood experiences, reviewing her history, exploring her relationship with her grandmother, discussing her feelings and emotions, analyzing where the anger was coming from, and so forth. But I didn't. Instead, I told her I thought there was a spirit attached to her, and it was likely that of her grandmother. And it would be a good idea if we helped that spirit go into the light where she was supposed to be. Gloria jumped up and shouted, I knew it! I just knew she was here with me, and she's still nagging me. So we did a spirit releasement, set her, sent her grandmother into the light, and Gloria felt an immediate wave of relief and a sense of lightness. She absolutely knew her grandmother was no longer with her. Now, this is a rather typical example of the experience of an attached spirit being released into the light. When a disembodied spirit attaches to a person, it can be a burden to them. It can interfere in their thoughts. Their presence may be felt. They may interfere in one's thinking. And it's almost never a comforting thing. Now, many spirits do not go into the light or onto the next dimension immediately after leaving their body. Some may want to remain on the earthly plane, you know, hang out for a while, see what's going on, maybe attend their memorial service or funeral. And simply, they're just not ready to say goodbye to the physical world. I have a feeling that I might be one of those spirits in the future. Sometimes they don't want to leave loved ones behind, as in the case of a neighbor of mine named Jim, who died and left his wife behind. So he decided to stick around. When her children wanted her to move closer to them, she refused because she knew Jim was still there. Finally, at the insistence of her family, she finally did move and they sold the house. The new owners of the house used to see Jim, and when they described his appearance to other neighbors, they verified that it was indeed Jim. So why did he stay? I believe he felt a need to be there, maybe just to be with his wife, or perhaps to look out for her and protect her, or maybe to keep an eye on the property and the house. Other spirits may be afraid to go into the light, not sure what lies beyond it, and some just don't feel worthy to go. And then there are some spirits who don't even know their body is dead. This is fairly common when the death is sudden, such as in an accident where the spirit is out of the body before they know it, or a person dies suddenly and without warning. In other words, the disembodied spirit is disoriented and not aware that they've left their body behind. In many, but not all cases, the spirit may look for a body to inhabit. Often, when people spend a lot of time working in or visiting places where people die, such as nursing homes and hospitals, they may pick up spirits just by virtue of their proximity. I personally don't know if the spirits are choosy or just pick the most available body to ride around in. The important thing to do if you're playing host to a disembodied spirit or think it's a possibility is to see someone who practices spirit releasement, emotion code therapy, or hypnotherapy, 
or someone who does some other form of healing that includes spirit releasement. In every case, when I have released a disembodied spirit into the light, there is an instant reaction of relief and a feeling of lightness. Sometimes the person can actually feel the spirit leaving their body. Often the annoying little voice in their head or thoughts that weren't their own are gone. So far, I have never had anybody complain about losing their attached spirit. Now, not all spirits are ready and willing to leave their host and go into the light. Some spirits are stubborn or afraid and may need a little bit of coaxing and convincing. For this reason, I call upon helpers to join in the process of the releasement. Helpers such as archangels, guides, and healing workers in the light. They're great to work with because they're always willing to lend a hand. It's not uncommon for people to be aware that something is with them that wasn't there before. The symptoms are usually the person cannot stop thinking of a particular person who died, particularly in the case of someone very close to them, or if they did not know the person, they may be experiencing thoughts and ideas not their own and may even have dreams that are affected by the presence of the spirit. In one case of a young woman whose fiancé died in a car accident, she began to feel his presence with her almost immediately after his death. It felt as though he were breathing down her neck, and she found it very disturbing. In the course of doing emotion code, we learned that her fiancé's spirit was indeed attached to her, and he didn't want to leave because he felt she needed him to be with her and protect her, and he also wanted to make amends for how he treated her in life. It took some effort, but eventually we, and that includes my divine helpers, convinced him that it would be in both their best interests for him to go into the light. When he was released, the woman's reaction was one of instant relief, like a heavy weight had been lifted off her shoulders. She could no longer hear his voice in her head, and she knew without a shadow of a doubt that he was gone. I personally believe that disembodied spirits need our help to move into the next dimension. Not always, but the ones who stay behind or maybe are confused and are trapped on the physical plane. Some spirits appear to not know what to do after they leave their body, and some are ambivalent about being here but they need a body to travel around in if they're going to stay on the physical plane. For the most part, these spirits go very willingly into the light, as if they weren't sure where to go or what they needed to do after they left their body. Then there are those who don't trust what's beyond the light, and some who feel they have unfinished business here on the earthly plane, such as when a spouse dies, and the spirit feels he or she needs to stay on to look out after the spouse or maybe the house the spouse is living in or both. As I mentioned before, as in the case of Jim, some are not willing to leave because they have a duty to perform and some aren't ready to accept that their body is dead. 
Disembodied spirits are not to be confused with demons or evil entities or even negative energies, and they are certainly not to be feared, such as movies would have you believe about ghosts haunting homes and castles and scaring the daylights out of people. Also, their presence is not to be compared to demonic possession. The important thing is to recognize that they're there, they're attached to a person, and to help them cross over into the light. And oh, by the way, once they do cross over, they don't come back. Now, entities are a different story. In my experience, entities are usually not hanging around for the best reasons and are not attaching to people for any good reasons. They are drawn to a person energetically, which means the person's energy, when it dropped to a lower vibration, attracted the entity as that vibration was on the same level as theirs. Things that may produce this lower vibration are inebriation, being under the influence of mind-altering drugs, emotions of extreme anger, hatred, revenge, sadness, despair, and hopelessness. In other words, the entities are drawn to very low-frequency vibrations, what we might call dark negative energies. Also, extreme fright can be an attractive vibration. Entities exist on the lower vibrational plane, and as such, they revel in negative emotions and want to wreak havoc or cause trouble or simply cause a, a person's vibration to stay low because they feed off that negative energy. How does one know they're playing host to an entity? Some people feel the negative energy as a heaviness. Some feel that they are not alone. Some may feel a rapid shift in mood and have no explanation for it. Some may have negative thoughts or even hear negative words in their head that they know are not coming from their mind. And many are not aware at all or they may be experiencing negative feelings, attitudes, and emotions for reasons they cannot explain. In every case, entities must be removed. My method is to call upon help, and I ask Archangel Michael to help me to encapsulate the entity in a capsule of light and send the capsule into the light. There are many other methods and practices that accomplish the same goal, and all are acceptable and beneficial. Once the entity is released, there is usually a calming effect, a sense of relief, and the troubling thoughts that are unexplainable are gone. Also, the person will experience an increase in energy because theirs is no longer being drained or sucked off by the entity. Are entities common? I would say yes. Are they something to fear? Absolutely not. I often tell people to think of them as troublesome little pranksters, or as I like to call them, little piss ants, who have no power over the person except to bother them and affect their moods and thoughts. Now there are some situations where a person may believe they are under attack psychically by malevolent spirits, 
and while I don't discount their experience, I have not encountered it in my work. Sensitive people, such as intuitives, may feel more of an energetic impact from the presence of an entity, which may feel like an attack. However, it's important to know that these energies do not possess the power to physically harm or attack a person. It may be the person's own fears and emotional reactions or a subconscious dread that causes them to feel more of a psychic hit from the entity's presence. At this point, I should add that I have never experienced a demonic possession or an exorcism of a demon-like entity. However, I do believe there are rare cases of this, and only specially trained people should deal with them. There are books written about this topic if you're interested, but definitely do not read them before bedtime. I'll never forget when I saw the movie The Exorcist many years ago. I had nightmares for weeks after. So now let's talk about cords of attachment. This is an energetic cord that attaches one person to another, resulting in an energy drain. The only time an attachment is acceptable and does not need to be removed is between a parent and a small child. How do you know if you've been corded or if you have corded to some, someone else? It's not always apparent, and it usually takes someone such as an intuitive counselor or an emotion code practitioner or some other type of healer to identify the cord and release it. Why do people cord each other? Well, it's not an intentional thing. It happens at a subconscious level. But cords usually occur when there is a dependency of some kind, a jealousy, negative feelings toward a person, or positive feelings like extreme admiration, where the person wants to be like the other person. Some people cord out of a need for protection. Some do it out of a sense of duty or responsibility, such as when I courted to my mother when she was declining in health and needed my strength. There are probably many more reasons for courting, but su suffice to say, it's best to have the cord removed. The method I use is to ask for help from angels and guides, and then to intentionally detach the cord from both people and disintegrate it. Now, removing a cord does not guarantee that a person cannot cord again to another person or be corded. So it's a good idea to always check for cords or have someone trained to do so. And once identified, to release them. Are cords really bad or detrimental to one's well-being? I would say they are more of an energy drain than anything else. So it's best not to have them. Sometimes a person can be courted by an abusive or controlling person, and these are most definitely harmful and need to be released. So is it possible to protect ourselves from being courted? I would have to say not always, even though a person may be aware of courting and may even have the skills to release cords. I haven't found a means to always protect oneself, 
other than by continually putting up energetic shields of protection. The only problem I've found is that shields are not permanent and lasting and usually have to be put up on a daily basis. This is why I recommend that when a person wakes up in the morning, they say a prayer of protection and put up their shield for that day. If you feel you've been courted by another person, by all means see a healer who can release it or learn how to release the cord yourself. For myself, I use a magnet or simply pass my hand over the place I feel the cord attached and say three times, I release this cord of attachment and disintegrate it. I'm sure there are many other ways to carry out the releasement of cords, and you will find the one that works best for you. So, are you reassured that this talk about spirits, entities, and cords is not as spooky as you may have thought? I can honestly say that I've had good results using emotion code to take care of any of these problems, and I highly recommend that healers learn how to work with these other energies around us and dispatch them so they no longer pose a problem for a person who's seeking healing. Above all, I want to stress that these things are not to be feared. Yes, entities may pester you and bother you and be an annoyance, and disembodied spirits may be annoying too, and cords may drain your energy but there is no reason to believe they're capable of doing real harm. Now, if your beliefs are different from this or your experiences differ from this and you are not able to accept such things, I can only say that this has been my experience and my understanding. So there you have it, a brief lesson on the unseen but still influential side of life that we need to be conscious and aware of. I hope you've found this podcast helpful and I hope you've enjoyed it and will leave me a comment. Thanks so much for spending this time with me and I wish you happiness, peace, much love, and freedom from any negative attachments. Take care, God bless, and let's talk soon. Goodbye.